Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. What's Mother Teresa known for? Good. Okay, Mother Teresa, what's she known for? Whereabouts? Calcutta, yeah, all over, yeah. Um, What about um, Winston Churchill? (laughs) Okay, Ah, well done. (laughs) Second World War as well. Leonardo da Vinci. Painted. What else? Architecture, design. Engineering. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, quite an interesting guy. Abraham Lincoln. What's... America. He basically uh, was the leader of the North in the Civil War against uh, slavery. Yeah, and uh, Henry VIII, lots of wives. <laughs> yes, right. Six wives, yeah, yeah. And Will, William Wilberforce, have we that one? No. Okay. It's interesting that all these people, you know, if you were doing a biography of them, they would probably be the first um, kind of things that you would kind of put to start their kind of biography, the kind of big, big thing that they were known about. And uh, I just wonder if somebody wanted to say the same question and put your picture up there, what would you like the response from the congregation to be? Okay, what, what would you like them to know you about you. You might think, I just don't want to be insignificant. I don't want anybody to know anything, but what would you like them to know? Um, You don't have to shout it out. just want you to think about it. And uh, I was, uh, I go hiking most Wednesdays. uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was going through um, this uh, graveyard. It was actually a wood, virtually a wooden church right in the hills. And uh, it was just fascinating because it was obviously very old, but some of the kind of things that were written on the gravestones just to highlight what that person was was kind of fascinating. And I think to myself that who would I most like in the Bible to be kind of known about, as? You know? Who, you know, if you think there's a Bible character... Which Bible character would best personify who you would like to be known for? Um, Again, I won't let you shout out. Just interested, just to see. For me, for ages and ages, the person that I kind of think, if I was wanted to be known by anybody, it would be Barnabas. Okay, that's, for me, the person I think, and I say, as long as I can remember as a Christian, and know about this guy. It's the person that I actually would like to kind of... Someone said, what was Colin like? I would love to say he was like 
this guy. So I want to look at Barnabas and William Barclay. It is, whoop. <laughs> We're not doing very well here. <laughs> Twice now. This wasn't in my notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> William Barclay says about Barnabas, the man with the biggest heart in the church. Okay, the man with the biggest heart in the church. And uh, I want to look at this man and to see what he can teach us today. And so I'm going to read to start with two shortish passages which introduce him and uh, say a little bit more about him. The first one's Acts 4.32 and then Acts 11.19. So this is the early church in Jerusalem and it says like this, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt like what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had and the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon all. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles, nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So that's the introduction to uh, Barnabas. So then Acts eleven nineteen, we pick him up again, and it says this. Meanwhile, this, the believers who were scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene, began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of those Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw that this evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, Full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. And so that's the man I want us to look at. And we're going to look uh, at this week on the culture of generosity. And there's basically, I think, nobody that epitomised this more than this man, Barnabas. And I want to look at three areas of generosity uh, this morning. First is this. To be generous with praise. It's interesting that uh, when we think of generosity, probably the first thing that comes to our mind is money. You know, it's kind of the thing that probably is the highlight. But actually, generosity comes is an attitude of life and uh, effectively should affect all aspects of our life. And so we see in Barnabas, that he's actually introduced by his nickname, and uh, that nickname was the Son of Encouragement. It's a massive, massive virtue in society today. You know, our society is ruled by the prince of the power of the air. 
sort of disobedience. And he's a liar. And a liar always wants to undermine people, always wants to be negative, always wants to make things that were good, bad. And that is the influence on all our society. Last week I had to preach in Valerie about the kingdom of God. And uh, I talked about this, this power struggle that's going on in the world. That actually we know our God is the ultimate ruler of everything. And yet there's this power struggle that went from Adam and Eve in the very beginning that actually was deceiving people. And so to have somebody that is bringing encouragement, praise, positivity in a negative world is massive, massive virtue in our church, in our life. You know, some people use this term, but some things are either half empty or half full. (laughs) You know, Barnabas, I think, would have seen most things as half full. (laughs) Okay, he would have actually had a positive demeanour on a lot of things. I know for me, I start new things, start new congregations. And when you start new congregations, numbers matter. (laughs) Because you know, you get there one week and there's 10, and then the next week there's two. And you know, what you need in somebody who's in the two is not where is everybody, because you think, I know that's a problem. (laughs) That's obvious. I'm already feeling it. You want someone who actually says, hey, it's going to be great this morning. (laughs) You know, we're going to find God this morning. Do you know, that actually is a completely different tone to what we are uh, about. It's interesting when we think about encouragement, Because it tends to be kind of a, we think of it as a social thing, a kind of human thing. It's a bit like serving. Do you know what I mean? There's kind of gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, miracles. And then what I kind of class as human, normal things. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're the things you go after. And these are life skills. (laughs) And often when you look through... If you Google encouragement, it often comes in life skills. You know, good quotes, it's often in that sort of thing. But it's interesting to see that actually encouragement is a gift of the Spirit. Actually, encouragement is who our God is. The divine is the divine encourager. When we think of the divine, the creator of everything, the one we worship, actually we're worshipping the encourager. Never thought of it like that. It's actually something that's a divine thing, not a kind of human attribute. And sometimes when we put things in human attributes, we kind of downgrade it slightly. It's almost like well, so he's encouraging and she's not, or she's encouraging and he's not, and it's kind of, that's how they're wired, <laughs> you know? And that is true, but shouldn't be the final thing. Because if we are to be like God, if we are to be in the image of the divine, if we're created in the image of the divine, then actually encouragement should be something we seek after. It says in Romans twelve six. God has given different gifts for certain to do certain things well. 
So if God has given the ability to prophesy and speak out with so much faith as God has given him, if, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraged has... Uh, we need, sorry, if your gift is encur- to encourage others, be encouraging. Can you see that actually Paul is putting prophecy and encouragement in the same gift, list of gifts? I'm not sure we do that, actually. You know, I don't think it's something we would seek after so much as something like prophecy. But you see, these are gifts of God. And God gives us gifts because they're who he is. <laughs> so I'm trying to elevate something that is not just for the few, although there's a gift of encouragement. So some people will definitely be more encouraging than others. Some people will be better teachers than others. That's what Paul's face is saying. Some people will actually have works of service more than others. And we see that in the church here, don't we? Some people, you, they, they excel in it. But that's not to mean that we all shouldn't do those things. It should be that they are urging us on to be that. That's what the gifts are there for. And so I just want to encourage us, first of all, to be encouraging. One of the uh, leaders, the girls in Fallowfield, um, she wasn't there when I was preaching last week. It was a shame because I always look at her. She thinks I'm preaching at her, but she knows this. She nods, she smiles. You can see she's agreeing. And you look around some others and they're kind of... You're not sure if, if they're with you, if they're not. Do you know? It's kind of cool Britannia for some people. You know, just that. Let's just not show any emotion or anything. I tell you... When you're in a room, when you're preaching, when you're doing something wrong, you're looking for the person <laughs> who's nodding, who's encouraging you, who's actually, she's just absolutely fantastic. I just want to encourage us. Let's be positive. Let's, let's know that actually this is a gift from God. When we are encouraging, we are being God. <laughs> it's as strong as that. And when we are discouraging, hey, then we're not. <laughs> wow, it's a big, big thing, isn't it, if it's a gift from God? Okay, let's just move on. So, it says in Proverbs ten twenty one, the words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Okay? So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some are doing, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day is drawing. Okay, so that's kind of first thing on this kind of praise. Second, quickly, is affirmation. Sometimes we find it difficult to affirm. You know, when somebody does something that there's a bit of good in it and there's a load of rubbish. (laughs) And actually, that's made a lot of our lives are a mixture. You realise that, don't you? That actually, even what we say, what we do, there's a mixture (laughs) of sometimes excellent and sometimes stupid. Peter was definitely, you know, you are the Christ and you're not going to Jerusalem. You are the Christ, the Lord, and I'm going to tell you what to do next. You know, there were two statements. You see, when we have two statements like that, you know what we do? We say nothing. (laughs) Because you don't want to affirm something 
that helps someone else, some other part, look like you're affirming incompetence. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Is it very difficult to affirm when something is dual? <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? And so, actually, because our life is often a bit mixed like that, often preachers are a bit like that, whatever you do in society, it's a bit like that. Jesus was able to affirm and rebuke. <laughs> he didn't, and that's why there's these two contrasting statements next to each other. That actually, the ability to affirm is massive. And the ability to correct is massive as well. What is poor and what we tend to go to, more often than not, is neutral. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Because we're scared of saying, you did well, Hannah, knowing that maybe she didn't do well all the time. <laughs> this morning, okay? You have so much, great. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? So... He, so basically it says this, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent, that's in Antioch, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the evidence of God. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. They sent him and he affirmed what he saw. Now that doesn't mean to say there was probably things that were not correct in Antioch. You know, this wouldn't mean a perfect church by any means. But he actually affirmed what he saw. And I believe we need to have that spirit within us. A lot of wind out there. Hard to, hard to watch both. So, second thing. Okay, so that's the first thing that we think about when we think of being generous. Second thing is, almost the thing that we probably think most of is generous with possessions. And so, we see that actually for... Barnabas, he had a field, he sold his field because there was poor in the city. Massive generous heart. It's almost like what happened was everybody was doing it. So they took Barnabas as an example of what was actually happening everywhere. Just a massively generous spirit to the point that they eradicated Absolute poverty in the people of God in Jerusalem. It's interesting that in lots of politicians, lots of people, it's like a goal, isn't it? Let's eradicate child poverty. Let's eradicate this. Do you know? Actually, the people of God managed to do that. It's like a foretaste of heaven. It was like what God had said to Moses that the people of God should be like in the promised land. No poor among you. And Barnabas, by his generosity, I just want to encourage us that we had 31,000 last year for the poor. Many of us, I know, do other things, massive things. It's just really, really important. It's a heart of God that we are generous with our possessions. The interesting thing is, just after this account of Barnabas being generous, there's another account about Ananias and Sapphira. It's straight after. It's just, in our Bibles, it's another chapter. But the reality is they've just put the chapter header in, in, the, uh, in the middle of it. But reality is it's two stories about the same thing. Barnabas sold a field. They sold a field. 
Barnabas brought his money. They brought their money. A massive different spirit, though. That as they were bringing their money, they thought, I really would like a holiday this year. <laughs> that soft top sports car, quite nice. The camel with the hump probably was more like it. <laughs> a two-humped camel. But reality is, they took a bit of the money, put it aside, and gave it. But they said, apostles, here's the money from the field. In their heart was something deceitful. They wanted to basically look like they were generous and brilliant. And so they just gave a part of it and kept some. And Peter said, it didn't matter that you only brought a part of it. That's fine. It's your money. You do what you like with it. Just don't deceive the rest of us that you look generous when you actually are not so generous. And, you know, sometimes people want to buy favour. Some people want to give influence. And God doesn't want that. He wants a generous heart that's pure in its motivation. And it's not like what you give, it's how you give it. That's why it says God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> they weren't that cheerful, actually. <laughs> Probably quite a lot begrudging in it. And Peter said, I prefer the bit cheerfully than pretense. Let's move on. To the third thing. Because in a sense, that's what we think about generosity in terms of money. But actually, there's other things as well. Barnabas was generous with his position. Generous with his praise, generous with his possessions, and generous with his position. You know what? Sometimes that's the hardest thing to be generous about. I was in a church a few years ago, and uh, it was founded by a great preacher, and uh, he'd long dust died, but one of his siblings was actually in the church and uh, getting quite old sitting in the middle of the congregation and everybody knew she was the matriarch <laughs> she was the inheritor of the position she didn't do a lot <laughs> didn't preach didn't but her influence was massive. I, I don't think it was easy for her to let that go. <laughs> it's like it was an inherited position. And often they are hard to let go. In our society, position is very difficult to let go. It's part of our identity, our work, our status, what people think of us, you know, how we're doing, you know. When people say to someone, what job do you do? And then they say, I'm just a housewife. And then they know that that's not, that's a silly thing to say, because it's actually one of the most important jobs in the world. But you know, the reason it comes out like that is because we have this kind of status, kind of 
thinking, don't we? That actually, and you're kind of, who you are, your identity, so often is in the wrong place sometimes. And so, for, when you're generous with your position, that's a massive thing in our culture, in our church. So, it says this when, in verse Acts 9, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he had just been killing Christians and locking them up and then got saved. He tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. And uh, he basically stuck up for him. So first of all, Paul used his position to help other people. He put his head on the chopping block. If Saul had screwed up, messed up, Barnabas said, it's my problem. (laughs) It's a big thing. He was so well esteemed, he wanted to use it for somebody else who actually was still new in the faith, (laughs) still raw, still could have upset a few people. And yet he was able to do that. He was generous with his position, willing to sacrifice it at the worst for somebody else. John Piper says this, that uh, he risked everything to support a dangerous new convert. (laughs) He risked everything to support a dangerous new convert. So he used his position for that, but he also used his position to further someone else's ministry, to further Paul's ministry. And so we see in Acts, 7, in Acts 11, 25, when he goes to Antioch, sees this great church that had been planted, but also sees it was weak in doctrine, weak in, in some of the biblical backgrounds that they need, and realised that actually there was somebody who actually was more equipped than he was to help them. He'd watched Paul in Jerusalem, the heart of the Jewish culture, heritage, theology, able to teach and preach and hold his own in that context. He thought there's nobody better than Saul of Tarsus. And Tarsus is only a little journey up the road. So he went and found Paul, brought him back and actually promoted him to the church and said, look, this is the teacher that you need. Sometimes very difficult to do that, especially when someone is definitely better than you. (laughs) When they were traveling, this is what some of the uh, Greeks said. It says that they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker, okay? So that's a big thing. There's not so many leaders that give way. There's not so many people that give way to other people to allow them to minister more. And that's not just preachers, it's in life, it's in work. You know it in work. People hold on to their position and there's other people that can do the job better and they're just unwilling to let go and let other people through it's because our identity is so wrapped up and the trouble is finance is so wrapped up as well so you're actually sometimes giving away money do you understand that to give away role to let somebody come through who's better than you actually is a big thing 
And although it's easy to preach it, I say this, it's hard to do. And I help tons of churches that actually are locked up because of the inability of people to let go. <laughs> Whether it's sitting in the middle of a congregation and feeling like I am the guardian of the historic spirit here, <laughs> or you're the pastor of a church, and actually it's gone beyond you to allow somebody to come through. So, just quickly moving on. He used his position actually to go more further than just that Paul was a better teacher. They set out on an apostolic journey and very quickly in that journey, even though Barnabas was still the senior man in the partnership, it goes quickly from Barnabas and Paul to Paul and Barnabas. It's like quickly Paul, Barnabas realised he's not only a better preacher, he's a better team leader. <laughs> so actually, let it go to him. What is even more um, uh, not normal, he's stuck in there. <laughs> it's one thing actually handing over there's another thing, having grace to be in the same team. Now, I know those of you who know the story know that they had a massive bust up <laughs> further down the line, which actually uh, was said to be a sharp disagreement. Which... Now, the reality is that was nothing to do with their position. It was more to do with their values. And that Barnabas wanted to give John Mark the same grace that he had also given Paul. <laughs> and so that's what they split from. But it's just one of those things that just being able to sit in and work with as you hand over. And then just a final thing here. Basically, this is a wealthy guy, or at least had possessions, so somewhere along the line, either inherited or earned, he was able to give possessions away. And Paul makes this massive statement. It says this, that um, effectively, we could, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, I'll read it, it says this, this is my answer to those who question my authority, because they, they didn't really rate Paul and Barnabas. And they basically says, don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us, as the other apostles and Lord's brothers do, and as Peter does, okay? So basically, Paul is basically, they're thinking, you're not such, you and Barnabas are not such good apostles as these, because actually, they have money from us, they have all sorts of things from us, and uh, it says in verse 6, or is it only Barnabas and I? who have to work to support ourselves. Now, can you see this? Here is a, a reasonably off guy who's generous, who's they're the leading apostolic team, effectively. They're, they're opening the whole of the kind of Roman world. And he, they teach in the church, actually, it's good to pay your ministers, which is good news for me. <laughs> okay. But the reality is Paul and Barnabas refused to take any money and actually earned their income everywhere 
they went. And actually, as they were doing this, it not only cost them in terms of what they did, but also they're, they're kind of, it looked like they weren't so good as the others. Do you know, it's interesting, isn't it? And basically, Paul and Barnabas are saying, actually, we just wanted to make sure that you understood the grace of God is free. <laughs> the gift of salvation is free. We could have had money from you. We could, if we had a wife, <laughs> brought the wife along as well. Up the costs, two of us. Do you understand? But actually, this gracious... Man, Barnabas, Whistle, just so generous, even willing to carry on everywhere he went, earning. You know, sometimes generosity means hard work. <laughs> you can only be generous with what you've got. <laughs> and sometimes we inherit some things and, uh, in a sense, haven't earned it. But for most of us, it's actually it's just hard work <laughs> to be generous. And uh, isn't this amazing guy? So I just want to encourage us to be generous with our praise. <laughs> just be, I always get a nice well done if I preach something like this because, you know, you, you feel like you got to. But the reality is, and yeah, I do have to. Um, <laughs> but you understand, let's do it as a, you know, let's thank the bus driver every time we get off the bus. Just, just be grateful and thankful. Let's be God in society. And God in society is an encouraging God, is a praising God. Let's be very generous with our finance. And don't let's hang on to status, whether it's job or whatever. Let's be willing to do what Jesus did. And let's stand, because I'm going to read and we're going to break bread. And I want to read from Philippians. And then we're going to pass the, the juice and the bread around and we dip the juice, the bread in the juice. But I want to just close your eyes, sorry. I just want to read these verses that Paul writes about the Lord Jesus that sums up, I believe, that Barnabas generous spirit. Philippians 2, it says, If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, and had obedient to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the highest honour and gave him the name above all names, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that our Lord Jesus to the glory of God our Father. Lord, we bless you as we break bread. 
We thank you. You epitomized that generous spirit in your life and your death, your resurrection, and even now praying for us all the time. So we remember you now as we break this bread, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.